here we go. We are live, and we'll we'll talk about sleeping in, and I'll daydream about that for the next, I don't know, 10 years until my kids are actually sleeping in. But welcome, everybody, to the end of the fall season Check Your Six episode. Yes, we still have the Open League finals from CEA to f- finalize and close out, but we have the competitive leagues, invite leagues, premier leagues, the cream of the crops all wrapped up, and that's our focus this week. We'll talk about the Open League Finals next week between Texas Tech and Grand Canyon University. It'll be a great matchup, though I think Texas Tech has the has the edge in that matchup. This week, we're going to discuss the Face It Grand Finals as well as the CEA Invite League Finals. We have Akron versus Michigan Technical technological university uh michigan tech we'll just say that way and akron versus university of georgia now in the cea league or that was in uh face it my apologies uh so the face it preseason was probably the better matchup and i think the one i was hoping for uh honestly to be the best of the best because wanda swan definitely called me out a few weeks ago and he's like what do we got to do be akron i'm like no you don't need to beat akron but i mean hey anybody who beats akron is definitely going to get just like a whole freaking bird in their hat like all of the feathers not just a single feather to put in your hat it's going to be the whole bird you're going to wear the bird but it didn't happen it didn't happen so but i will commend uga on an incredible performance that was one that got me out of my seat several times. It was exciting to see the plays. It was exciting to see UGA take a map decisively. It was against Akron. I mean, we, I don't know if we've seen a decisive map take against Akron since the spring, since the spring leagues. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think they've even. I don't think they lost a map to anyone. Uh, when they, when Akron played MTU in the, in the winner's finals, uh, of, uh, CEA, Michigan Tech took one map off of them, but that, that was the only map that Akron dropped in the playoffs, I believe, out of all three leagues. So, oh, okay. Okay. So so... MTU and UGA were the only two to take a map off of Akron. Now, MTU did it in the semifinals, and they lost that matchup, and then they won their last match in the loser's bracket to get a rematch against Akron, which is how we got them back in the grand finals. But going over that matchup, the CEA finals, map one on coastline, operator bands, uh, Ace coming out from Akron, MTU, Blackbeard, Malusi, Akron finalizing it with a Miraban. Uh, they came out, MTU was incredible. Like five rounds running, five and zero against Akron on coastline, on the on the attack, on the attack, and Akron took round six, so five to one switching halves. And CG, CJ from MTU really impressed me, going eleven one and three in the first half like and the only person from akron to compare was hennessy going seven zero and five 
Imat wasn't there. Arv went fragless and even assistless in the first half. Oh, oh, and six. Imat two, oh, and six, and even Jetcon just seemed to be missing a bullet. He went three, three, and six. Like when you when those three players are going, like when they're not top fragging or when they're not awake or when one of them's not all on, firing on all cylinders, you usually have two or three other people that you can depend on. But like mm-hmm. Serma's doing his IGL and support thing, so he's not a top fragger, but he is big braining it all around. So he's not usually the top guy. But Arv, IMAT, Jetcon, those have been the gunners that you expect to see things being pulled off. And when you see those stat lines in the first half, you go, man, things must have gone really, really poorly. Uh, but it was it was and i honestly thought like five and one on coastline on the attack like this is this is your opportunity to close out the map go one and oh against akron take that first blood quite literally and put akron on the back foot for the first time because i don't think as much as mtu took a map off of akron i don't i I don't know this but i can't help but imagine it wasn't map one i thought it would be like map two and yeah. if and if if Akron loses a map, it's going to be a tight, tight race. But going five and one, probably closing it out seven and three, like that that's a way to start a series and to put an, an opponent who might be underestimating you on the back foot. But we are talking about Akron. So five and one, going to the second half, Akron themselves would then return four rounds in a row. And then two more to tie at 6-6. So they forced map one into overtime. And then, and by the time uh, OT started, the stat lines had changed. And we started seeing mm-hmm. Surma, IMAT, and uh, even Jetcon coming up to even. And Hennessy still chugging right along, like doing what he can, pulling more than his fair share of the weight. Um, which usually is not the case. Usually Hennessy is like that second or third or third or fourth on the list in terms of productivity from the scoreboard. But I mean, he was doing work in, during the series, uh, not just the first map, but the second map as well, uh, which usually he's usually not the star, which I, I'm just going to go out and say Hennessy was the MVP of this series against MTU just because of his, high level performance and consistency like at the end of map one he ended up 10 one and nine but after a seven oh and five start like he was the only one who was net positive after the first half and the fact that he held on to that even as his team was coming around he was still being productive and he still outgunned arv still outgunned serma and but like serva's the support player anyways but like Hennessy did a great job being a consistent pillar of support for his team. He was anchoring like nobody's business. I don't actually mean that in the role sense, but like he was valuable every single round. I don't think he was ever caught off. He might've been like first fragged like once, but that was it. Like he was consistently there and he was there in map two as well. Uh, Akron finally woke up Surma and Arv became more influential on the rounds. Uh, IMAT and Jetcon also started to wake up. 
while CJ slowed down on the MTU front, Red and Chivals actually stepped up. The, their score lines definitely propped up, and uh, CJ was still doing work. He was he was kind of like uh, Hennessy at that point. Like he he hadn't been as on fire in that second half, but he was still present, still keeping his team in that matchup. Uh, in round fourteen, and this round round fourteen was Akron's first lead of the entire match. They they went up seven to six. Uh, MTU retied it seven to seven. So MTU forcing a round fifteen on map one on coastline, which was something that I mean I wasn't expecting. I thought coastline was Akron's map to see and to see them so challenged by. MTU was really refreshing and it's like okay we're going to get a game three we're going to get this awesome series and it was it was exciting to really see and round 15 actually came down to a 3v2 with Akron defending with the final push starting with five seconds left in the round so Akron had I believe two people on on site one person off site and uh, MTU was pushing into, I think it was the kitchen, kitchen bomb site on coastline, and it was just, it was so close. But then, like as soon as one of MTU players peeked the doorway, it was just one tap done. And so three v one, three seconds left. They had diffuser. There was a chance there, but I mean they would have had to turn the corner, get two immediate drops, and then start planning. And then that third guy would have just rotated in, and it would have been messy. Uh, yeah. so it would have been down to like fractions of a second uh, if someone like was planting the diffuser and then pulled up and popped off a headshot and maybe half a second left type deal. The timing was going to be that close. Um, but that was, it was a really great match. I thought MTU showed a lot of opportunity there. They took some really great plays. They took some rounds quite decisively too. Um, so eight, seven, the final on map one. JetCon woke up in that second half 15, 6, and 12 after a 3, 3, and 6 start. So 12 frags, 3 more assists, and 6 deaths. And that's, so he died every or most of the rounds in the second half and OT. So, um, but like, that's a quite a turnaround performance. Um, that's someone, someone being much more comfortable on the defense on coastline it seems i'm at as well 13 4 and uh, 10 uh after going 2 0 and 6 in the first half so yikes <laughs> arv arv 0 0 and 0 0 and 6 in the first half and then by the end of overtime 9 3 and 9 like that's a turnaround in productivity like nobody's business and that's what i mean that's that's like a trapped animal in a corner type thing it's just like you know his team was giving him so much crap like it, honestly i imagine comms was serious but still pretty lighthearted, and i could just imagine someone just giving R of crap i yeah. i think it would have been funny <laughs> uh second map oregon uh oregon actually holds a interesting place of his uh, point of history in the in these two matches is that i think these teams both saw something in akron's play uga and mtu that made them pick oregon because both of them had it as their first pick 
um, to play. So this is, and it's interesting because while MTU identified it, I don't think that they were able to pull off the, any of the strategies or the plans to the level that they really wanted to, because they ended up losing it seven to three, and it's kind of standard fare. Uh, Akron started with a strong attacking push, going four and zero, and they would. And MTU would take a round back with a, a brilliant quad kill from CJ, just hyper aggressive, roaming like nobody's business, and just taking gunfight after gunfight. It was really impressive to see. Uh, they would take two more rounds, but that would be it. Like it was just they mm-hmm. got started late. They got they couldn't quite catch up, and then it was just kind of done. Akron does Akron things and just puts it all done. Puts them down, puts MTU down in two maps, two to zero. Hennessy again on fire, both see both on this map as well. Like I called out earlier, uh, fourteen one and five from Hennessy. Arv seven and seven five and four. Surma, fourteen one and five. You said fourteen one and five. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And I'm at eleven four and seven. Arv seven five and four. Surma five three and eight, Jetcon five three and seven. So Jetcon was off in this setup. I don't know if this was uh, maybe some plays that were that MT was trying to focus on on Jetcon's play. I would have to go back and rewatch the VOD. I would love to see if that was the case. That MT was just identifying Jetcon as a huge pillar of Akron's play and seeing if they could take that out. And see what that would ha- what would happen to Akron if they took out that support pillar. But mm-hmm. if if they were if if this was Jetcon just underperforming, either way, Hennessy stepped up hard. And if it was MTU focusing down Jetcon and make it trying to take him out of the play, they did that job. But Hennessy stepped up. Yeah. And so I think if if other teams have just been coming in to play their game. Jetcon and Arv and and IMAT know how to play the game just fine. But when a team comes in with an actual strategy against your team, Akron is showing that they can adapt. And that's what I think it means is that Jetcon wasn't underperforming. He was just targeted. And then what that meant was it gave Hennessy opportunity to show how he knows how to play the game. So when he's not being harassed, when when he's not being the one being targeted, look how productive he can be. Mm-hmm. And and huge credit to Surma for IGL and being able to make those calls and having his team being able to react like that and adapt like that. That's what mm-hmm. I'm seeing. That's what I want to say that I saw. I, I don't know the, the game that well. I don't know what the strategies overall would be about how you would tailor your attack or your defense around an individual player outside of uh, op, um, operator picks and bands and then focusing what that player's role is. But if they were able to do that, that's some next-level complex attack and defense planning from MTU to have pulled that off. But then also for Akron to be able to sustain against that. This is probably the most thoughtful approach uh, of a match that I'd seen up until the next matchup against UGA. So huge, huge call out to Michigan Tech for the the series that they showed, the progress that they showed for joining the Invite League and then just 
absolutely crushing it this season. Like Akron is a different beast, but you stood above everybody else. That's a huge, huge win for your first mm-hmm. showing in the invite league. Yeah, and um, you know, in in MT's defense, like they played really well in their defense. Akron has been really they've proved themselves to be very versatile and adaptive. Um, And they're just a good team. And I definitely think that they are going to be talked about if, as long as collegiate siege uh, persists, I think Akron is going to be in, in people's minds uh, for a long time. Um, Even I, you know, if, if Akron um, is able to to keep a steady inflow of, of amazing players like they did, like they do now, then they will keep being the dominant team. But, um, you know, if they, if all these players graduate and, you know, they're not as good anymore, they're still going to go down in history as one of the best teams to, to exist in collegiate Rainbow Six. Yeah, as long, as long as this series of games is running, it's going to be hard to top a legacy like this. I mean, this is, to me, this is going to be like the Harris, Harrisburg University storm this is going to be like maryville and how they show up in league and in overwatch akron is that is that equivalent in rainbow six Mm -hmm. and you can't take that away from them i mean uh after this next matchup against uga uh and having akron be crowned the triple crown winner again this season winning cea cr6 and the face it preseason two of their players are the most decorated collegiate rainbow six players out there eight championships won two triple crowns two wins last spring i mean that level of winning for individual play is crazy but to bring that to a university to bring that history to them of we are the cream cream de la creme of of rainbow six like that's that's a title that is a a setting up of historical decisions to be made by akron to be continually invested in esports so akron is going to be one of those teams one of those schools that you hear about for a long time and as much as like university of california irvine is spoken about for their esports program and their esports support and for a lot of their teams, they are really good for a lot of the games that they compete in. But being known for a game is completely different, especially when yeah. you don't have the extreme amount of funding going into that program. Akron, yeah, they have scholarships going in for their team. Yeah, they have a esports program and obviously a varsity program. But not many schools are doing that right now. This is These are still early times for collegiate esports. And for Akron to be making that decision now to lean into that possibility of a legacy and what that means for younger younger demographics being recruited that's a big deal and these guys on the squad are showing that akron is invested not even not just in the biggest esports but the esports that their students want to play and their students are damn good at it yeah there so i mean that that was the CEA or Invite League Finals. Congratulations, Akron! Once again, you win. Proven, you're the best of the best again. And MTU for a stellar showing in this playoffs. And what a great run you had 
Uh, looking forward to seeing you all in the spring for sure and seeing how you do in the other leagues, assuming you participate in the other ones as well. Moving right along, see or face it preseason grand finals, UGA versus Akron. Now, like I said earlier, this was a bit of a, a shout out match from Wanda Swan. And like I didn't think I didn't even know it was going to be possible for UGA and Akron to have played each other when when we got called out. Uh, but I will say that my thoughts on UGA have changed dramatically after seeing this series. I thought, you know, what UGA is one against some really big teams, but then they've had some not so great showings as well. They, they kind of sputtered out in the mid middle of the playoffs from what I can recall over the last couple seasons and have to go back and double check that. But like, they've always been around, but like, I don't remember them having like grand upsets or mm-hmm. being able to like really hold their own, really show that they dominated a win or anything like that. Like that they, that they were that tier above everybody else. Maybe, maybe top, top of the the b tier basically uh but my mind has changed on uga after this matchup against akron and we'll 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 dive into this so uh map picks and bands akron band consulate uga bands coastline thank you akron band clubhouse uga or akron picks clubhouse uga picks oregon akron bands theme uh theme park uga band cafe and the decider was going to be Villa. I don't know how I feel about Villa being the decider. Uh, I, f- I feel like I still want to force like a I want to force theme park just because Akron has gone so far out of their way to ban it every single series when it goes to a best of uh, when they go or they they just make every effort to ban it. Like I want to see Akron play on theme park. If it's if they're st- as good as they as good as they are, they're probably going to be just fine on it. I just want to see Akron play theme park. Yeah, they probably just hate it. They probably do, um, and maybe you'd be doing your team more of a disservice playing playing it. But at the same time, Akron goes out of their way to ban it every single time. So they take some advantage, whether it's a mental advantage, and say that. If Akron just hates playing on it, make them feel uncomfortable. That's all I have to say about that. I want to. I I would forego an Oregon pick. I would forego a Cafe pick. Forego a Villa pick, and just first pick Theme Park, because then if Akron's first banning Consulate, then you if they first ban Consulate and you and you're comfortable on Coastline. Because Coastline is, I mean, we saw what MTU can do on Coastline. They can be super productive and push Akron around. And I think I feel more comfortable on Coastline than I do on Villa. So, for ban out Clubhouse because Akron likes Clubhouse. Let them ban Consulate. And then you ban out. So, you, they ban Consulate. You ban Clubhouse. They pick Coastline. You pick Theme Park right in their face. So maybe they get a comfort pick, but that comfort pick then comes with their discomfort in that second round or that that second map, which they have to play anyways. Or if you could force Theme Park to be the decider, even better. But chances are Akron's just going to ban it in the second round anyways. So 
that's the map picks and bands decider clubhouse uh uga band ace akron bands thatcher cade uga bands maestro now one thing i will say is that the maestro band this is cafe. And, uh this is uh clubhouse oh clubhouse i like the maestro band i like the cade band from Akron, they're changing things up, which is and the the Thatcher Cade combo just works really well. Um, to just take a take a lot of important defensive pieces off, and a lot of the approaches off on Clubhouse, like no Thatchers to disable the the Cades to be able to get into the the double do- the. God, I can't even remember locations. I'm sorry. I'm sick. Uh, my brain is foggy right now. I'm going on, off my on which side? Upstairs? Downstairs? Upstairs. Upstairs. And cash? Yeah. Cash wall? Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I like the bands. I can't complain either way around. The Maestro, I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking about why they would target Maestro on, on Clubhouse other than it's someone's comfort pick. It's not a band mm-hmm. I'm used to seeing. Um, first half, incredibly close. They split it three to three. Georgia had defended first and Akron attacked. Hennessy, again, had a, a brilliant triple kill and defuse in round seven. So it was that start of the beginning of the end for the map, and it just seemed to foreshadow what Akron was capable of doing on the defense. So even have, even retaking a site. Um, they wouldn't let UGA score another round in that map, going closing it out seven to three. Uh, which again, the here we go again. Like this is this is another weird thing. I'm at twelve three and seven. Hennessy ten one and three. Just on fire level of productivity. Arv eight one and six. Jetcon six three and six. Serma six zero oh, and six. So just they weren't pushed around the, no one was re- incredibly challenged it was just it was just a good all-around showing from uh akron now uga uh drunken K- uh, Kaz, 10 0 and 8 wanda swan 6 and 6 1 and 8 like the numbers don't show how close it was a lot of those rounds could have gone either way there were some rounds where it's just like Akron got off to an early lead and it was just like, okay, well, that's going to be hard to come back from. But it, it, it looked kind of like, okay, Akron really knows this map and UGA was just making a couple mistakes or someone was coming up big on multiple rounds. And just like Hennessy pulling off that triple kill and defuse, like it was just, it happened so fast for Hennessy and he just, he just did it. Like it was, it mm-hmm. was an impressive play, and not everyone's going to be able to make that. Uh, not just a triple kill, but like a 1v3. 1v3 defuse. Just nuts. He was set up with... It was a 3v2. He got set up. His his buddy got taken down, and then he just knew where two of the guys were. So it was like, bam, bam, done. Refrag, redone, and then close out the round. But it was a very, cla- very fast closing to that round. Uh, and so, yeah, map one, seven to three. Okay, we're like, okay, is is UGA going to be able to stand up? Because, I mean, 
MTU forced around 15 on map one, on coastline even. So clubhouse, everyone knows how to play clubhouse. It should be like your your standard fare. Like you should, I, I feel like clubhouse is that first map that you really learn. Okay, this is how you defend this wall. And this is how you hold this defense across the entire map. Like it's not like a large sprawling map, but it is, it's a open enough map to where you have to know you have to know what kind of approaches are going to be taken. Um, yeah. So it's it it didn't fill me with a whole bunch of confidence. I was just hoping for map three, and we were going to have to see how UGA fared on their own map pick of Oregon, seeing as Oregon was also MTU's second pick, like I said, and they lost 7-3. to three. I'm hoping that they had more time to prepare, more time to execute on the flaws that mtu might have shown in their play uh and uga really showed up so first half was uga's attack and it overcame akron's defense which uh mtu was not able to do so they closed out the first half four to two uh and for the first time in the last few maps hennessy was having a hard time getting productive uh, and even Arv looked a little off this time around, so it wouldn't be until around it wouldn't be until round three that Akron would take their third and final round of the map. So yeah. six rounds, six heavy rounds, just went UGA's way. When you look at the numbers this time around, Hennessy 0 0 and nine. Wow, our. <laughs> Arv four four and ten. Jetcon seven two and nine. IMAT was thirteen zero and eight. But like no one, Serma seven one and nine. But like that's kind of what I expect from Serma. Just IGL responsibility, support player, and being around as necessary. But like the rest of his team, the ones that need to be hyper productive and the ones that keep everyone out basically and get them into the site they just had zero influence on the map on most of those rounds and uga just locked up tight like they they knew or it showed oregon on an entirely different level than what mtu was doing wanda swan 12 5 and 6 drunken case 10 4 and 7 i am throwing 11 3 and 4 Casanova six three and eight, Manly Banana five two and six. Like, those are all numbers and scores that I see on that winning team, on that winning side. Like that's, they performed well and above what Akron was capable of doing with their strategies, which you don't, you and I don't get to say that at all, like ever. So to see UGA put on a seven to three stomping on Oregon is just damn impressive that that changes my take on what uga is capable of strategically tactically in the moment and just being able to see all of their members firing on all cylinders like that i don't know if they'll have a better execution against a more difficult opponent like that's that shows me that uga is going to be a team to watch because after they watch these vods and they go back through their play and they go back through seeing 
how they need to improve their play, not just individual players, but like their individual strategies, locations, timings, how to play certain uh, pushes or takes and retakes. They're going to be a scary team. If they can get their organ play to that, if they can get their other map play to that level that they showed on organ, we've got another another threat in in the top tier rainbow six leagues like yeah. tech yeah go ahead it, it definitely shows that they are not only hungry but also they have a lot of potential um you know i can definitely tell that they really wanted to beat akron and i think yeah. that they did a lot of research um especially with them winning oregon against akron um i don't know how many times akron actually played oregon but uh, if I remember correctly, Akron's pretty good on Oregon. So having beaten yep. Akron on on that map is is, is truly impressive. Um, and so I'm definitely going to uh, be looking if looking at them next season, um, seeing if they can. Um, I think that j they just need a lot of polishing. Uh, they are a great team. They just need some polishing. And if they can if they can fine tune their team a little bit, they will be they will be a great contender in the next yep. coming seasons. And what I still saw was that they were willing to make aggressive plays. Like there was one one round, I think it was Casanova, who was just bloodthirsty. He was chasing people down the halls and he was just, you're going to give me ground? I'm going to take that ground. And it was such ballsy play, but it was also such well-knowledge play as well. Like he knew what the other guy was doing. So just push, and push. And it's just like, that's, that's what you need to do. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly how you need to play against these good teams because a team like Akron, they're playing confidently because they know that the other team is probably afraid of them, right? Yep. And having, having somebody who's just playing hyper-aggressive and just hunting them down, I, I guarantee you that threw them off so hard. Because yeah. they were they were so used to like once they take something that they were gonna hold it, mm -hmm. uh, because people were too afraid to take them on in gunfights. Yep, exactly. So, ha and having having that person just chase them down like that probably threw them through a loop. Yeah, and it, it was so good to see. And it was just like, I mean, that's that's Rainbow Six. Like, the defense is trying to stall, keep you out for as long as possible, keep you on your toes, not know where that roamer is, not know where the other team is, but. The role of attack is to push in, take those aggressive plays, take territory, take knowledge and intel away from the defense, corral the defense, execute them while they're separated. Like, that's the deal. And UGA performed exceptionally well at that in the on Oregon. And it was it was really, really good to see. And I'm excited to see that this was a decisive victory. Seven and three is just the way a map goes when you have a team that is better than you. Mm -hmm. And that just does not happen often in against Akron or at some of these high level matches. And like MTU forcing round 15 on coastline is impressive, but, and that's taking Akron to their limit and being MTU also being pushed to their limit, but pushing beyond Akron's limit on a map is just it's a statement and so when you go into map three after a statement like that UGA must have been riding high and Akron probably not phased as some other teams could be but they know that they have to go down to business it's this map or nothing 
they no longer have that cushion of a 1-0 lead. So moving into map three on Villa, UGA bans Ace, Akron bans Thatcher, and Mira, UGA bans Mozzie. Mozzie has been a regular ban on Villa that I've seen in the last several weeks. Uh, can you explain that ban a little bit? I, I'm, I understand that Villa is a very large map, and being able to take away drones is a big deal about extending your defense. But what, what other insight can you give us about that? Which ban was it? The uh, uh, Mozzie. Mozzie ban on uh, on Villa or yeah. on uh, yeah on Villa. I mean, I, I guess they were just trying to be anti intel, mm. um, because I mean, on Villa, because it's such a small map, and if you're holding like something like upstairs, um, you know, obviously drones are really important there because attackers are going to be able to set flank drones. And watch uh watch certain angles in certain hallways especially like 90 hallway mm -hmm. um and having that mozzie basically prevents all of that uh, having a mozzie basically prevents uh all of them setting up their flank drones um it uh it denies them certain areas um and it, it, it basically takes away all of the attackers eyes and that's scary on villa it's very scary, especially in uh, when you're taking when you're taking upstairs, yeah. um, and so ha den denying that is actually pretty important, um, especially if you're probably starting on attack first. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Akron attacked first in the in the first half. Georgia was defending. UGA crushed it four to zero first first four rounds. But Akron is not known for rolling over. Not only did they stop the bleeding to claim the last two rounds of the first half, but then would continue the roll with two more rounds, tying it 4-4. Four to four. Uh, With a minute left in that eighth round and a 1v4 with Manly Bananas, without the diffuser, uh, UGA called for the rehost and utilized that last minute uh, as a tactical timeout. So they were regathering the team. They were circling the wagons, trying to figure out how to stop, how to stop Akron rolling four rounds in a row, going onto the side of defense. Akron showed that they knew what needed to be done. And prior to the rehost, uh, in round what was this, this was round eight with the, with the last two frags uncounted um, was the last time I got to see the stats. We got Surma 6-0-5, Arv 5-0-5, Jetcon 7-1-6, IMAT 8-3-4, Hennessy 2-6-6, and, and sorry, let me get my screen over. Uh, on the UGA side, Junkin Kaz 1-2-8, Casanova 9-5, Manly Banana three two and five, Wanda Swan four two and six. I am throwing nine two and four. Like those are some incredibly tight stat lines. That's showing you how close it was. I mean four. It was going to be four four after this. Two more frags would have gone the way of um, Akron. So even then, those two frags aren't going to tell a dramatic. Aren't going to shape a dramatic story about how Akron was outperforming them, outperforming UGA. It just wasn't. And it 
this was going to be a tight series. It went so far, so far for them. And Mm -hmm. we barely saw a team string. Like if it wasn't this four to O five round run, like we saw MTU and uh, Georgia or Akron in some cases, like if it wasn't four, four or five rounds in a row, it was this back and forth. Rarely was there two rounds in a row. Um, it was mostly back and forth or two rounds here, two rounds responded to by the other team and then just back and forth. So to get to four, four in map three, after both teams had won their respective maps, seven, two, three or seven to three, like this, this is as close as it gets. This is who's going to really execute on everything that they know and who's going to do it better. Ultimately, it came down to Akron not letting up. They would go on to win five, six, and seven rounds. Seven rounds in a row to take map three on Villa. So UGA starts 4-0, and and then it's just one, two, three, four, re-host, regather, try and change something up. Maps five, uh, rounds five, six, and seven for Akron, and uh, yeah, man, that's, that's a rough way to end the series. To go, okay, you have this opportunity to stop the bleeding, to really dig deep and stop, stop what's happening, and tell your side of the story a little bit longer. But it was in the end, it was just a book written, illustrated, copyrighted all by Akron. Like it was just a done deal. Uh, and that rehost and tactical timeout seemed like it was more out of desperation than it was, okay, we've got to figure something out. It was, had they taken that timeout, taken an actual timeout or gotten the rehost, uh, like maybe a couple rounds in after Akron closed out, uh, got two rounds in and knowing that you were going to go on to defense or going to attack on Villa. I think that that might've been a better time to have taken that time out to keep your nerve and really say, this is a fresh start Win the half and you win the series. Basically yeah. uh, that might've been a better place and time to make that call to do a timeout. But I also understand it calling it when you have the round, the tying round going out of hand and you want to make sure that you get as much time as possible. It gave them an opportunity to maybe call out some strats or really think about how Akron had taken those first two rounds on um, in the second half. And so I could understand that call there. Uh, It just didn't seem to be enough time to really adjust and to switch things over for UGA, even though we had talked last week about how UGA uh, made some mistakes previously, and then the next week they had corrected them. Uh, I believe Homie Miggs ca- called them out on on that preparation last week, or maybe it was Olven, but uh, UGA is a quick learner, a quick study, and a quick way of practicing and being dedicated to ra- the Rainbow Six practice. So no doubt they were prepared for this, I'm I'm wondering what went wrong in these last three rounds, and I would I'm gonna go back and rewatch them just to get a little more clarity and see if see what else I can glean from it. But it was all in all a very close series. I mean, the fact that 
it went to map three is a huge deal. They UGA took a map decisively and then forced Akron to go the distance essentially like seven to three, seven to four. Yeah. It seems like it's telling a, a very straightforward story. We know the map better than you, but it was close. Every single round was close and yeah, Akron tied it up four to four, but taking four rounds in a row is not easy, even on a biased map. So it's just, I mean, regardless, UGA, MTU, no, they can't put the whole the whole bird on their head this time, but they can certainly put a few feathers in their caps for mm-hmm. how they pulled off what so many teams couldn't, pushing Akron to round 15, taking a map off of Akron, taking a, a map decisively, pursuing their uh, their opponents in a way that no one else does through map knowledge through tactical uh, tactical plays and call outs like this is showing that there are more teams on akron's level than i think you and i thought there were going to be this season texas tech mtu and georgia are showing that they have the time the effort and the players to put in to really learn this game and challenge even the top teams and now they're cemented on those top on that top team list. Like I think I have to put Michigan Tech up there, even above University of Montreal, and up there with St. Clair's. And I mean Ohio State has fallen a little bit, so I I, I have to put UGA and MTU upwards in that in that bracket. So yeah, I. I might even have to put UGA on top of CU Boulder after this performance. This was really a solid performance from from UGA, and it really, really could have gone the other way. If they would have stopped Akron and claimed a fifth round, I wonder if that would have been enough intel and enough of a, hey, now we know how to counter this strategy and their style and their timing of how to pull out how they're pulling off this this attack. I wonder or this defense. I wonder if that would have been enough for them to go on and try and push that knowledge and force a, another adaptation in the late game of the mm-hmm. of the map on Villa. I wonder if that would have been enough. Maybe. Maybe. But either way, like Wanda Swan, kudos to you and your squad. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge deal. Like it's a huge, huge win to have taken a map off of Akron, taken it decisively. I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep taking that one because that's a huge win. No, you didn't win the whole thing, but you've proven UGA and their strength. So looking forward to seeing how you all perform in the fall or in the spring and this is the spring's going to be much different now. So this is the preseason wasn't seated. It wasn't separated by region as the season will be, as the spring season will be. So we're going to see uh, Akron and you, or I wonder, I'll have to review the States and see if it's going to be, if Akron, Ohio is going to be in the same division as Georgia. I imagine Georgia will be in the South and uh, Ohio will be in, in the north. Georgia might be even east coast, um, depending on how they split it up. I think it's northeast, south. Um, I thought there might have been a fifth. I don't remember. But uh, yeah. On how it's, they split it up? Yeah, on how they split it up. So we might see a early matchup between 
uh, Georgia and Akron in the in the season, uh, which unfortunately, depending on how that goes, could keep someone out of the playoffs, depending on how many teams get called into the playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, which would suck if hey, you played Akron you, you're not, and you lost to Akron. Oh, you're not in – that means no matter how many other games you win, whoever else you play, you're not in the playoffs. Like that would be a really crappy situation. So I hope that that's not the case uh, with how the, the structure is set up. But we will have to see because teams like Akron are just – I almost feel like they need a handicap for the majority of the teams that they're playing against. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's their, that's their reward. Um, they get to play for all the time and effort that they put in. They get to stomp some teams and move on to the playoffs. Um, yeah. So that's all I have to say this week. I, I, I'm looking forward to our chat next week. We'll have a streamer on a content creator, rainbow six content creator coming on. I want to see if we can get, uh, Jay-Z's wills on here. Uh, talk with him about life as a caster where the game is from his perspective and we'll go into that conversation maybe we'll have to get an interview with some folks from Akron in here as well to congratulate our triple crown winners Akron so that's I'm at that's Surma that's Arv Jetcon and Hennessy congratulations you guys you've done a phenomenal job once again this season and Akron University for supporting your Rainbow Six squad. What a great job done there. Um, what's his name? X Tiger Mask coaching for Akron. Great job there. Uh, mm-hmm. So whole, all the way around, Akron is putting together a phenomenal program. I'm, I'm going to have to reach out to them and talk to them on the, uh, on the summoning hour just to find out how they're running things and why they're running things the way they are. But if if the Rainbow Six squad is any indication, they are going to be a university to watch in all of collegiate. Uh, so we've got some exciting stuff coming up next week. Then I think it's going to be a couple weeks of break as a lot of the students are going on break. We'll let the winter league for CR6 pan out as it will. I hope you all enjoy those matchups, but we're going to take a couple weeks break on the holidays after next week's podcast. And... We're going to, I'm going to start working on that spreadsheet. I swear I'm going to work on it. I'm going to get some good stats for us to go off of and some things to actually reference uh, based off of who played who this season and how they performed across leagues. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be great. We'll see if I can actually do it. (laughs) The fame spreadsheet. The fame. At this point, it's more infamous, and I'm going to hate it more than anything else, just because it's going to be one of those things that taunt me, one of those projects that I never get to. <laughs> My podcast honeydo list, taunting me. Gorlock, can you do this for me? Sure, baby, I'll do it for you. <laughs> and you never do the spreadsheet. You never. You never do what I need you to do. Oh, but I'm busy. I'm working. <laughs> Is that what you call having a beer watching Rainbow Six? Yeah. <laughs> now I'm just going on a tangent. Uh, you got anything else to say? Anything you want to say to the teams that participated in the leagues this fall before we wind down? Um, I don't think so. Um, I guess good luck to all the teams competing in the uh, uh, in the the mini. Uh, or the winter mini series. 
of all the, the leagues. Um, UGA, uh, let's see some polished uh, teamwork next season. And, uh, oh, uh, it turns out that it was true. Uh, Sonics actually dropped their whole team. Yep, uh, we saw that. So, that's interesting. Uh, easily retired from Siege, so he's no yep. longer going to be playing Siege. Um, I think it's about it for Pro League. Yep. We'll see how the qualifiers go, but Sonics, after they drop their roster, they're no longer <laughs> able to participate, so... We'll see how that goes for them, but uh, wait, no, they can they can participate. the The org owns the the org owns the spot, not the players. So I thought I saw um, something. It's supposed to be it's supposed to be the players, but uh, for some reason with face it, it's you have to you have to have an org to play. So oh, I think I the org, I, I think if the I think if the Sonics want to continue to play. Mm -hmm. um they need to find players here pretty soon so that's right okay i'm pretty sure i saw something that said that they wouldn't be yeah so these changes do however mean that sonics cannot play in the upcoming six invitational qualifier a tournament they were favored to win as these new players can't officially join the team until February until the February transfer window until then the roster is locked and no changes can be made super and prospective Sonics players will likely compete in the SI qualify quals away from the Sonics organizations to test out the new players this gives disrupt gaming a pretty good chance at qualifying for the six invitational and securing a much needed org in hopes of achieving a spot in the 2021 NAL season. That's as of so the Sonics can't compete in SI qualifiers. They can't qualify. They can't participate under the Sonics brand. They can try out other teams as, as like a random org, but they won't be able to, <laughs> The the Sonics itself cannot play in the upcoming qualifiers. Isn't that a? I feel like that's. You can't do that. Like, hey, can the Sonics like form another team and like disguise them as something else? I don't know. They might be able to form it up as like... a separate squad without Super, almost like, like a. Would... Yeah, I feel like that wouldn't be allowed, right? Because they're like, Wait it does. A it, does it does seem sketchy. I will. I yeah. will admit that that this is from a siege.gg article. Uh, Sonic's bench: Slevin, Gomfi, Iconic, and easily easily retires. I can provide the show note a link in the show notes this time around. I'll send you the link right now. But uh, yeah, so th there's some interesting stuff going on there. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how the Sonics will prepare for the 2021 season if they can, uh, if they can even uh, really form a squad. So I don't know. I don't know if I would want to work with Super, having seen this happen once one other time before, and then have this all break out in the rumor mill before being officially announced, and then kind of. I mean, the Sonics as well just have not been a favorable team from that i've seen um 
since their first inaugural run in the pro league. So I, I don't know if I was a individual player, if I would really put a lot of faith in working with that squad. So we'll see. Yeah. We shall see. <coughs> uh, with that, we're going to call the episode done. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for joining us. It was great seeing a number of you recognize the podcast in chat for the uh, grand final matches this week. Um, we really appreciate your ears, your eyes on us. When you see us on social media, interacting with us, interacting with the podcast, we appreciate you all. You can always leave messages for us and feedback for us at anchor.fm slash check your six slash message i didn't go all mush mouth this time i'm proud of myself hmm. uh leave us feedback call us out if we're being doofs call us out if we're just being stupid or ignorant to the fact of how teams are playing let us know what we're missing let us know what we're seeing let us know that you appreciate what we're doing oh my god cough attack whoo that was a big one um Yes, thank you, everyone. Appreciate you. Um, it's great to be recognized when we're out in chat and seeing that uh, that you all listen and that you all like what we're doing. It's great motivation for us to keep doing this. I'm looking forward to the spring and seeing what you all bring there. Um, yeah, it's been great doing this this fall season. Really excited by a lot of the growth, a lot of the teams, and a lot of the leagues made. So can't wait to see more um, from you all in the spring. Good luck to everyone in the Winter League, and we will see you after break. Well, next week as well with one last cast, but competitive analysis starts again in the new year. <laughs>